G'day, boys. Welcome to the Coach and Tex. Let's get down to business. There's a lot going on. How are we, Shano? Tex? <laughs> well, if our listeners can only see what's happened for the last half an hour before we start this podcast, it's just comedy capers. Unbelievable. It is Gremlin Central, Shane. Oh, we we had a lot of problems. I mean, we had to, much to the happiness of a lot of our listeners, we had to cut out half of last week's show. Um, so it's probably been one of our more popular episodes. Well, I heard um, it's rated number one. Oh, hello. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Rated number one. They couldn't couldn't hear us, especially you two, apparently. Are you there, Tex? I am, boys. I've just been waiting my turn patiently. How- <laughs> oh, there's a change. Mate, we, we were down to start at a particular time and you've come in 25 minutes later. Um, so how's the mower? Is it okay? Can you give us an update? <laughs> I've, I've just had to adjust the nipples on the mower, mate. Just apply a little bit of uh, grease to the nipples, and it's all going beautifully. Now, what a week! More COVID magic. I've just I've just got off after receiving an alert. Uh, three people decide to get a haircut, and seven of their family have got COVID. What can we say to those silly people? Seriously. I mean, where text, would they go it's not an issue at your household because you don't get haircuts. Um, <laughs> so that's not likely to occur. Hey, eh, Shane? Well, no. I'm just ahead of you now. I, I don't know when oh, you're... Beautifully, mate. I don't know when you're talking serious or not. Has something seriously happened yeah. late today? Yeah. Three just, people got just, a haircut. Just come through. Yeah. Definitely What's happened? Not. Three people went and got a haircut from somewhere and now seven family members have got COVID. Now, where did they get the haircut and what sort of nationality were they? These are the facts we need to jump on straight away because if they are El Taqua related... Well, they're or... Australians. They're Australians and, um, yeah, they're infected now. In the west, in the north, in the east? Can't tell you. Don't know, don't know text, but it's, it, this is not the, the, the set inquiry. So um, save that because uh, I reckon there's a couple of politicians who might be at front and square on that one. I mean, what's the latest um, Gladys update? Well, it's just run away from Gladys. I mean, Gladys is going to be exposed for everything she is, and that is a fraudulent leader who's who's been so ineffective. Um, I mean, she's going to cost this country big time, and 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 the chickens will come home to roost with Glad. We've been saying it for a while, but this is out of control up there. Well, I'll tell you who's been quietly working away in the forward pocket up there is. Um... Um, Anastasia Palachuk, um, who's um, been doing a great job in, in Queensland, mate. Um, no issues. Oh, hello. They're changing hello. your text. <laughs> I, hope you've got your, I hope you've got your work permit there, Turtle. <laughs> a three-quarter time siren, mate. It's gone off. Um, the paramedics, we're calling them in. <laughs> and for our listeners, it is prior to 9pm, so we're not out and about doing it. No, mate, no, nothing illegal whatsoever. Absolutely. We are, we are trying Absolutely. to eradicate gremlins, but instead we've got sirens. I'm sorry, Shane. So Anastasia is doing her own things. Uh, said to ScoMo, stick it up your clacker. I'm going to do my own quarantine facilities and start building. Now, um, oh, she Shane, has, mate. Shane, don't get me started on her. She's... Well, that's what she's doing. I'm Shane, just stating facts there, Tex. You know, she's she's actually giving up spots uh, who should be going to Queenslanders trying to get back home and giving them to families, friends of NRL players. That's what she's doing. All oh, right. Mm. Now, um, 
there's lots and lots to talk about um, tonight, right? Um, and we know the finals kicked off on the weekend. So I do want to read out a quote for you because I want you to tell me which, which coach this was, okay? Um, we will not forgive and we will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I will defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. Which coach was that? Sleepy Joe Biden. Right? Oh, it was, Tex. Can you believe it? He straightened up big time. Huh? He's decided to awaken that giant from within. I think um, Kamala or whatever her name is, uh, the sidekick there, um, has the old Kamala Leon Harris has um, decided to get involved and, and spark him up a bit. All of a sudden, he, he's awake. The only problem with Joe is he won't remember tomorrow that he said that yesterday. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I woke up and the six o'clock news was on and they were playing his speech. I'm thinking, my goodness, um, he's toughened up a bit all of a sudden. I, don't, I think that must be the first thing that he actually stated since his um, inauguration speech. I, I tell you who has had to toughen up is the people of, is it Louisiana with old Cyclone Ida over there? Just 16 years after Katrina, just gone bang. Oh, did you see some of the footage of that? Incredible. Mate, I mean, that sounds like, that reminds me of that story Sam Kekovich tells at Sportsman's Nights when him and Cable were the only two who did anything for North Melbourne and they were kicking into the breeze. When I, saw, some of the, when I saw the winds blowing over there in you know, old Louisiana, I'm thinking there's only one man for this job and that's Sam Kekovich. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, we, Don't we leave can't... it to Barry Cable. Very can't to let him down. We we can't leave the opening without referring to the very fast car, Jamie Carr. What on earth were they thinking down there on the peninsula, mate? Have you heard three of them are appealing for the severity of the penalty? Yes, that they could end up getting four months instead. Well, my mum lives about two k's away from that joint, and she reckons she could hear them. They were going to town, mate. They were absolutely off their chops. Mate, apparently there's a, a video circulating um, which suggests that there were quite a few quite a few guests who forgot to bring their clothes uh, who were at the party as well. And uh, I hear there may have been another jockey there as well. Well, uh, now each to their own what people do in their private time. However, you cannot be people of such public profile going out and doing that. I mean, that that is just... What on earth were they thinking? See, this is the arrogance and entitlement of some sports people. And they put that whole industry at risk. That's the sad part there. I reckon they actually deserved everything they got, all of them. Um, oh, yeah, but you can come into the state and, and uh, be infectious and infect the whole state and don't get any penalty. So yeah. where, where's, the, where's the level of penalty here, whether you're a, a sports person or non-sports person? Well... Oh. If they were half bad income like the WA government, mate, they'd be in jail. That's what Sydney Stack had to do. Yeah, well, well, uh, my, our friend Mark McGowan put a guy that got some tradies around to his house and put him in jail for a few months too. He said, well, stuff you. Yet uh, those Smoker. two removalists got no fine whatsoever. Said, see you later. Slap, uh, on, the, slap on the wrist. You, you know I think a little bit left of centre, but I have this enormous belief that the day before or the morning of grand final – people are going to uh, make up COVID cases in WA and hold that entire event to ransom on the day of the big dance. You watch. It's not a real season, Tex. I've mentioned it before. Um, it's, it's compromised. So I think they should just cancel it right now, would be my view. 
Uh, well, there's lots to talk about. I'm loving it, Shane. I'm just going to ignore that ridiculous comment. I think it's we're in for a great final series, and so far it's gone to plan. Hey, what about? Have you heard about Kanye West's new song, Tex? I know you're all over the music scene. Uh, no, no, I have heard that he has renamed the song. Has he renamed himself? Oh, that's right. He's now called Yay. <laughs> or Yee. Just Why forgot e? the first syllable, mate. Can Yee. Um, it, it's almost like uh, the artist formerly known as Prince. Symbol. That's it? We've dead set God mad, I'm telling you now. Well, he's been mm. mad for a long time. Mate, uh, we may save a couple, roll a couple of these over for the last segment, mate, but we've got to talk about Jaden Stevenson. I mean, um, oh, Jesus Christ, mate. Um <laughs> Some sort of BMX bandit there, mate. Well, people, I heard someone say people get traded for a reason. You probably have just worked out what the reason was that Jaden got traded. Well, you weren't saying that last week, Tex. Uh, when? When you, when you did your tirade on Collingwood. No, well, I, they lost a player. Uh, 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 what? They lost a player who they shouldn't have lost in Trelaw. But Jaden Stevenson, I don't think anyone around the footy club would be. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, mate. Oh, well, you are there's unbelievable, play, there's, mate. There's certainly a lot of players that aren't the sharpest tool in the shed, Tex. And uh, this is misadventure. He hurt himself and nobody else. So super full. And obviously watched the Olympics over in Japan and Tokyo and uh, thought I might try a bit of that. Have you mate, been watching the work. Paralympics? Have either of you watched the Paralympics? Yep, absolutely. Fantastic. Isn't it inspiring, Shona? Oh, they're incredible. Seriously. All right, let's play. keep moving. No, no, I don't want to move on yet because just because you haven't watched it and you've got nothing to add because you're an elitist. What are you on, 12, the... 14 goals, I think we're up to? Yeah, and you see the bloke who's playing table tennis. Holding his the... In his mouth? Unbelievable, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Is the level of success that the country's experienced in the Paralympics also related to how much money the respective governments pump into it? Um, yeah, so you, that, that wasn't actually a question for you to answer, mate. I was just throwing it out there. Whether it's the same correlation at the Paralympics as the um, able-bodied Olympics? No, yeah, well, it is, and and it's no surprise that the top three medal winners at the minute are China, Great Britain, and the US. All right, Tex, we've got a massive episode. Um, we're going to do some deep diving into the finals. Um, the coach, well, it's a special awards edition of of um, the coach this week, mate. Uh, Turtle TV has got, oh, mate, there's some very interesting programs that I'm doing my top five on, and hopefully the tirade's a bit better and a bit angrier than last week as well. And this week, we will do our Twitters of the week since we missed out on last week, and there's a bit to talk about, particularly the Carlton fraternity. But if you do want to get involved, Shane, where do those Twitters go? They would go to at the coach and text. Beautiful. Let's bring it on, boys. Hey, boys. That was a massive first weekend of finals footy. Oh, what would you think? <laughs> well, we know what you thought. Oh, Jesus. So where do we want to start? We want to start the first game? Mate, start wherever you like. Um, I, think, I think you wanted to talk about Melbourne and, Melbourne and Port. I guess they're the two teams that would appear to be in the box seat in this compromise season. Um, what are your thoughts, Shano? Well, Port have, uh, have surprised me, and that was certainly very, very impressive. I thought the way they had numbers at every contest um, just took Geelong's game away from them, and they just did not cope, as we saw one little bit. Um, a few weeks ago, I mentioned about the pressure at Geelong. That is the big question on them, and just come to the fore on the weekend. 
they just not they just succumbed to everything that Port dished up, and they were just the dominant force. And they are definitely in a box seat, prelim final at their ground in two weeks' time. Uh, no matter who they play, they're, they're a big chance to go forward and play in the big dance. So uh, they were very impressive, and Geelong were very, very, very poor. Uh, well, I loved it, and it didn't surprise me one little bit. I, I think you heard me say last week, I, I don't think it matters who will lose the game because I think Geelong will win this week, but Port were great. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Shane, it took me back to you at the Arrow Falls in there in the early 90s, mate, the way he was reading the play and just intercepting marks. I, I thought it was a great effort by the Port Adelaide Footy Club, and, yeah, they are in the box seat, as are Melbourne, but... They both dispatched of, of Geelong and Brisbane quite comfortably. Both could have won by more, I would have thought. The um the prevalence of the of the stars across both those winning teams was was evident. I, I think there was this I can't remember which footy show and they were just talking about uh, if your leaders and your big your big guns come out and they present themselves well in these games, then they just take everyone with them and, and both those games were classic examples of um, their team's doing really well and the teams they were competing against, their respective counterparts just not, not coming to the party. I mean, um, the vacuum of leadership um, amongst that Geelong team, starting from their coach um, and the regular arrogance that he normally shows in week one of finals um, was at the fore again, I would have thought. Well, Shane, can we just go back because he'll have his, he'll have his tee off on Geelong for most of the show if we let him. Melbourne, Ben Brown, does is does he hold his spot in Melbourne's best side now? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I love the way he's competing. He can work up the ground. He can be deep deep uh, in the goal square. He's very hard to defend because of the way he jumps at the ball. He brings it to ground, doesn't get outmarked, which is a key thing. And his small forwards have been um great at their at their role. So I think no, he, he works really, really well. Um and suited. I, I wasn't sure about it when they started playing about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. But no, I'm I'm uh, very happy with with Brownie. I think. Why do you ask, spot. mate? Oh, I, I just because there's been a lot of talk about whether yeah he didn't really land in the side permanently until very deep into the season. But I thought he was good, and they're going to need some goal kickers. Um, but it's theirs to lose now. I would think Melbourne's, but but. I reckon this has worked exactly the way it was designed to work. So when you're in the top four, and no, I loved not having a bye, going straight into finals, I thought was great. And now you've got Melbourne and Port who get the week off. Port get a home final. Melbourne go and get settled. They watch whoever they're going to play come off another tough game. They'd be liking to see, you know, tough semis this week and then get another team on the rebound. And I'd expect Melbourne and Port to go straight through now. It doesn't matter who they play. Well, it's interesting you say that because just on the Ben Brown thing, Shane, I think the thing that it does also is it means that it's the next defender down that probably gets a Tom McDonald and Fritch as well. So um, Fritch was playing a lot of key, effectively key forward, those two guys, but even though he's more like a mid-size or a third, a third forward. I mean, he's done yeah. really well. What's he, nearly 50 goals, I think, um, Barry yeah. Fritch. Yeah. Um, so I think that just really helps their balance. And he was good because he came right up. He was the um, the outkick on the, on a lot, a lot of those down the line um, um, kicks throughout the course of that game. So I thought he was I thought he was good. But um, but I think getting back to the the two opponents that they beat, I mean, I think Brisbane were good. I reckon for most of the first quarter and for the third quarter. But gee, um, Melbourne got away from them um, in that second quarter, and even though Brisbane came back at them, 
Um, I think they, they struggle. It'll be interesting to see if Brisbane can get up or the Bulldogs. I think Port Adelaide will have a decent um, a decent opponent. I mean, it doesn't mean that they won't go through, but they'll have a decent opponent. But they're well positioned now, mate. I mean, um, they've got their list nice and healthy. Um, they've got home finals. They're in their own beds, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and they've had the experience of last year to, to work their way through. I think with uh, Port, if they're... What I liked also about their game of the weekend was uh, their composure. But they were much better than if I compare to the prelim final last year um, against Richmond. I just thought they weren't composed enough, bringing the ball from back half through the middle of the ground. And they went wide and just missed targets. And I think that was just the pressure of the game. I think from the experiences you just mentioned, Zoran, uh, of last year, uh, I think we saw a bit of that on the weekend. And I think if they can bring that again in the prelim final, it's another level again. But if they can bring it, They'll certainly go through to the last weekend. There's no doubt about that. And I think it would be a great way to finish a year if those two do play off. If you get Melbourne and Port Adelaide, I think it will be a a really good brand of footy to watch Um, and it would cap off the season nicely. And all that stuff, Shane, you know, talk about timing your run. We talk about who Port hadn't beaten and where they Mm. were sitting in the ladder. It's all irrelevant now. Here they are sitting out, one out, one back with a lap to go. Yeah. Well, they're both going to end up having another bye, though. Yeah, but that's it, okay. It now, uh, I think I, I didn't hear it, but I'm pretty sure they confirmed the grand final is going to be on the 25th and it'll be in Perth. So that, that'll mean there'll be a week off in between the preliminary finals and the grand finals, right? So, yeah. um, so both of those teams, if, if, if both of them bounce through, then it's probably there's no excuses. But if um, one gets through and the other one ends up playing a team that's ended up having to play all the way through, Whoever's like, I think it's good for Geelong if they can get through this week and then actually go okay and were to beat Melbourne, having that extra week off with their injuries and and the fact that they're an older team and all the rest of it. Um, I don't think it'll happen. Uh, you know my views on on Geelong, and I think it's coming under roost. Um, their blokes are tired, they're old, um, their role players struggled. So I mean, the same old blokes went missing. Exactly. In fact, I think there's a search party still looking for him in South Australia, Gary Rowan. Um, the SA police have been sending out all sorts of bulletins to try and find him, Parfit and Dalhouse. Their parents are really worried. So if anyone's seen them, report it to the South Australian police. There's about 17 others as well as those three that were just, they were missing in action, mate, MIA. So, you know, um, they've got some big problems. They've played one good quarter in, in the last eight um, and have been beaten against... Two big, two good teams. And I'm not sure how style. they're going to rebound. Actually, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Mate. It, it. It doesn't stack up, mate. It's a brilliant home and away uh, style, but he just can't. And mate, he got out coached when Aaliyah started doing what what he was doing. Surely you would have <clears> a plan for that. So as soon as they made a change to the fact that Aaliyah didn't line up on one of their key forwards or one of the two, the the three the three primary um, focus forwards being Hawkins, Cameron. And Rowan, they I think they got picked up by um, uh, Mackenzie, Jonas, and um, the guy from Hawthorne, Ryan Burton, mm. right? Ended up picking Gary Rowan up, right? So he's ended up having it was like a bye week, mate. Yeah, well, I think what what Melbourne and Melbourne did down at Cadinia, well, I can't say GMHBA Stadium the week before and also last week uh, from Port was just numbers and pressure around the ball. So they weren't allowed to hit targets too long, and that's where they like to set up. You take that away from them, and you look at all the kicks. Aaliyah Aaliyah read the play really, really well, don't get me wrong. However, the pressure up the field, they were just forced kicks, and they just kicked it to an area. And Aaliyah's just come on and go, thank you, I'll take yep. a mark. 
Um, and so they just played that really, really well. Um, so, I, you know, that's the key to, to stop Geelong. And I just, I, I, I think if GWS had a strong list this weekend, and they're not going to, uh, they'd probably beat Geelong this weekend. But I'd probably expect Geelong to scrape through. It is interesting, right? It's a good segue into um, GWS, mate, and the gutsy win that they had against Sydney down in Tassie. But um, the um, remember, they, they themed their win down in Cadinia Park a few weeks ago as the miracle on ice. They're going to need to have the second miracle on ice if they, if they think they're going to get through. So Geelong are bloody lucky that they're, they're facing GWS, I would have thought, in the current um, Yeah, the current but out of, out of the other two teams, there's an option if they did have they'd probably select Geelong to play than the Bulldogs or Brisbane. So I think they're playing the right team. Uh, if they're ever going to beat any one of those three, it's the right team to beat. <laughs> go on, Tex, sorry. Oh, I just, uh, just to go back on Geelong, I think I'm right in saying they've got into the last four, eight out of the last 10 or 11 seasons. I mean, they have been – they'll win this week and they'll be in a prelim again, uh, just like Port Adelaide were. They'll, Port Adelaide and Geelong will both be in prelim finals two years in a row. They've been a, a great club. Um, I know they haven't got the silverware that, that you know, you can't win it all the time, but they've been fantastic. And they'll demolish GWS this week, who were fantastic last week. Um, but Geelong will get through again and, and uh, we'll be talking about, oh, can they pull off the miracle and, and beat Melbourne the following week? But Geelong will get, I, I, I don't think so, but Geelong will get through. They can't play that badly again. But that's not the point, mate. You don't play to just end up fourth again, which they've done consistently. So they just do not... I mean, it's it's 6 and 13 or some ridiculous number uh, like that in terms of finals after the, the premiership win, which was gifted to him, that Mark Thompson um, largely um, oversaw. So um, I just think that we keep going on about um, how good they are and the strike rate and all the rest of it, but they just consistently don't deliver when it counts. At the end of the day, you look at the record, who, who played in the grand final or who won grand finals, and Geelong's name hasn't appeared for 10 years. That's where it sits. Yeah. doesn't matter what you've done in the finals. Oh, no, I get that. I'm just saying we're a bit harsh on them. To your point about GWS, they've been fantastic. Leon Cameron, just about coach of the year in terms of what he's had to do with the injuries he's had and, and all of that. So they've been terrific. I love the way they've been playing footy and the kind of as we said last week, playing with house money this week. I don't think anyone would expect them to beat Geelong, especially now without Toby Green. Um, but they'll have had a great year, finishing fifth or sixth. Now, there's a difference, mate. There's a bloke who um, has won finals in four of the five years he's coached in finals. Well, okay, Shane, so he... Shane wanted to sack him three months yep. ago. Well, that's okay, Correct. but... Um, no, that's okay, but the point is, when you compare his finals performance as a coach versus the bloke we were just talking about, um, people want to give Chris Chris Scott heaps of flowers, and well, that's great if if you if you want to win eighteen and lose four during the the season and then go out in straight sets or um, go out after three finals, great, good on you, Chris. Um, where you're going to end up next, mate? Well, I think there'll be a, a number of clubs will be interested in him if he chooses to walk away. That's fine. Um, but Shane, what about the Swans? That'll hurt for a while. Like seven points, I think, in the last quarter. And two and seven, yeah. Buddy had a very, very kickable goal. I know it all doesn't come down to, to one person, but um, they probably should have won the game. The Swans, I well, know they didn't, and it's all academic now. But that'll hurt for a while. Yeah, and there's a great effort without uh, Mills and Kennedy in the middle of the ground. So 
I think they've done, they did very well. But, you know, the big ruckman, Hixie, Wixie, whatever his name is, uh, he had a shot from 30 out, missed. Uh, young Cullen, Bell. was it? Bell. Bell. Yeah, 20 metres out directly, missed, hit the post. So they had plenty of opportunities and they'll rue it, of course, but um, they'll look back when they settle down after their drinks and uh, uh, they've had a pretty good season and it all goes well for next year. I think they've got some really good young kids and uh, they'll take another step forward next year. What about um, the big story out of that that game, um, Toby Green? Um, so obviously, normally we'd be covering the the tribunal on a Tuesday night, but um, obviously the, the AFL in their wisdom decided to do that um, and started at 9 o'clock this morning and apparently didn't finish until about 3 o'clock this afternoon, so probably put in a similar work day to UTEX. Well, he, uh, Toby Green <laughs> he, wasn't he there. Left. He couldn't be there at the end because the plane was going to Perth, so he had to leave. He was on the plane when, when the decision was handed down, but hmm. Um, I've got a fair bit more to say about it later on because it's been. I've been listening to Talkback Radio all day, actually, and it's certainly polarised the footy world. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Just while we're on that game, like Lance Franklin ends up ends the season 995 goals, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a positive for the Swans uh, and spectators because I no doubt he's going to come back next year and and hopefully get those five goals and. Uh, uh, past the miracle 1,000 goals. I think that's I think that's great for the competition, the people. I think they'd be pretty excited to see him back next year. Well, the, they, they might the have ta- had a few more vaccinated in New South Wales by the time we get to round one next year, Shane. So they might actually be able to play in front of a crowd. The daily cases could be up to about 4,000, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Bulldogs accounted for Essendon pretty easily. Um I, it was it was the disappointment of the weekend for me that game. I didn't think the Bulldogs did anything special, and I thought Essendon were probably a bit disappointing. So, I, I think I said last week I thought Essendon might have frightened them, but um, I would expect the Bulldogs to be absolutely monstered this week up in Brisbane by Brisbane. Brisbane aren't going that well, mate. I said this a few weeks ago. You laughed at me, you blokes. I'm telling you, they're not going that well. You don't think they're going better than the Bulldogs? Their back line is appalling. Harris Andrews, like seriously. He's just lost his mojo. He has not know where to go, mate. Well, He's appalling. Stay tuned for the big Gardner, defender awards, no mate. Good. May not be a chance. Uh, definitely not. The six-foot-eight bloke won't get what about, what about English and his lack of ruck time? I mean, I, I and it was interesting. Last week, I listened to all the Bulldog supporters calling for Luke Beveridge's head. Now he's won a final. I haven't heard from them at all this week. He clearly doesn't want to ruck English. Um, it's almost like they've conceded. So uh, I'm not sure what they're what they're thinking there, but it's, it's fascinating because well, why would he not be in the ruck? Well, I think he's trying to replace uh, Josh. Um, what's his name? The full, the full forward. What's his name? Bruce. Bruce. Yeah, awesome. okay. um, trying to change this, well, not change this, but replace him with English. So I don't think English is great in the ruck. I don't think he's great up forward either. I'm, I'm, he's a bit of a liability, but he's trying something. If it works for him, then great. Yeah, I'm not sure, man. I think that's a bit harsh. But anyway, um, I, did... I, just Sorry, an God. interesting stat on um, the Bulldogs and Luke Beveridge is it's the, only the second year in, I think, four or five years of appearing in finals that they've actually um, won a final, apart from 2016 where they went through. Um, every other final um, that Luke Beveridge has, has coached, they've lost up until the weekend. Mm. Mm. St. Kilda last year. Yep. Um, GWS the year before. Yeah. Then they didn't play. And then yeah. it was um, against Adelaide um, in 2015, the year before they won the flag when they played yeah. in the finals. Mm. Um, 
Mm. Did um, um, did just before you leave that? Did the Tassie thing work for you both? What did you think about footy in Tassie over the weekend? Two games there, the crowds that were there. Did you like it? Not like it? Well, I didn't like it. There was a lot of people there. Um, that was okay. Didn't None mind. of the finals, mate, apart from the the Port Adelaide Geelong final, had any any sense of soul. I've told you, mate. So Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane at Adelaide Oval. I mean, there were a few people there, but um, it was a shit day. Um, for uh, I, I think that, in fairness, there was a bit of noise towards the end of the the GWS and Sydney game, um, and obviously that as a spectacle was a a much better game. So I think the rain. Um, um, obviously created some issues for the Sunday game, but um, I think it it helped the Bulldogs, mate. They started to do some things in the second half particularly, right? So um, it would be interesting. I think that's going to be a really interesting final this weekend. I always worry when I see players or coaches do things that I think are irrelevant. And when I saw Tom Hawkins running out on the ground FaceTiming his kids, and now when I see the Bulldogs agitating for a game to be played in the day so they don't spend so long in their hotel room in Brisbane. I kind of wonder who's controlling the narrative here because they should just be worried about getting out and winning the first contest, whoever they are, wherever they're playing. So I'm not sure the Bulldogs started the week off as well as you'd expect as a supporter of that club. Hmm. Hey, um, just moving off finals for a moment. Um, There's one club who just cannot, keep themselves out of the news um, and that's Carlton and of course um, their latest president decides he wants to get his um, five minutes of fame so um, Flukey Lukey Sayers is, um, is making a name for himself mate and um, cocked up his first press conference um, when the first question was how many people uh, are there going to be more people who are sacked no they're not and then when there was the follow up question well they're in their roles at the moment and, and lo and behold Five days later, and there's rumours afoot about more changes. So you would have thought after um, carrying on to their supporter base around um, justification for how they treated David Teague, albeit that it was the right decision to move him on, now they've gone and they're doing the same thing to the CEO. So either the CEO goes, make that call, and then go and replace him, um, but don't don't do it through the media like what started to happen again um, this week. They're a disgrace. I just dead set joke club. I, I, I agree. I was listening to uh, Sayers press conference when they announced Teague's departure. And um, I, I found it strange that there was even talk of Kane Little surviving. Um, it looks like Brad Lloyd may have, may have survived, but it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Kane Little went or got the flick. Um, right. right. Well, because he was he was as big a part of some of the problem if you listen to what's come out of the review, talking about cultural stuff. So Carlton will argue off the field they're in great shape. We would argue they're not in terms of leaks and governance and all of that. Um, but I agree with you. They, they are in free fall, that club. And what they should do, as I said on Twitter, was just go and appoint Ross Lyon. Just say there is no process. We've got Ross Lyon. And Shane, I would be so bold as to say, here's what it is, Ross. You've got a one-year deal. One. You've got 12 months. And we make the eight and you survive and you don't make the eight and we're going to talk to Clarko if he if he's at all interested in 12 months' time. That's the deal, mate. And, and how's I'll... that going to help their culture, mate, do you think? Like well, if you, I think... So if you're president of that club and that's the decision you make, how's that help their culture? 
Well, because footy clubs are all about winning and winning on field. And I reckon yeah. Carlton's biggest issue has been their on-field performance and their off-field board leakage and all that. So they brought in four directors. That's all good. It's a bit of a worry that one of them's inbred again. And it's a bigger worry if the reports are right that it seems like Greg Williams is going to run the coaching process. And they're saying that they're going to make an announcement in 30 to 45 days' time. I mean, that's just corporate speak. Um, I think everybody knows it's Ross Lyon's job if he wants it. Why don't they just call it out and move on? But Kane Little, not a great CEO, only been there since 2018. Um, there's better around than him if that club is going to have the standards that they say they're going to have. I'm not sure why you'd want to go to that club and coach that club. What would be the attraction? Oh, well, Ross Lyon says he's been there before and he thinks they've got a good list and they're a big four club in Melbourne. So clearly Ross and others thought Carlton's a better option than, say, Collingwood. Um, they're not a big four club. That's, a, that's, that's the problem. They think they are, but they're not. They're a bottom four club. And they're right. performing like that on field and also off field. So I'm not sure what the attraction is. Their list is okay. But he can, Lukey Sales can pump it up and say they're in it. He actually mentioned they're in a good place on their, in their squad and where they're at. I'm going, what? You're getting rid of your coach. Like, you reckon you're in a good place. We're going to play finals next year. He's got his hand on his, you know what? Like, I but don't ne- know neither why of you two go to that club and coach them. Neither of you two think Teague should have survived, do you? No, but that's not no. the point, mate. The point Correct. is, is if if they're going to now say the culture is an issue because of um, um, the poor old um, CEO who's been there for three minutes. What about the board who's overseen three of these coaches in the last seven years, uh, including Luke Sayers? So if they're talking about um, a board that's um, strong on governance and whatever else, then they'd be sacking themselves, wouldn't they? I mean, they're just peanuts, mate. I, I just It is just unfathomable. I'm not defending them, but someone has to be president, and he will argue that four board members out and four coming in is a bit of a new broom. No, it's not. That, that other bloke, um, Lochisano or whatever his name is, who wants to do an EGM there as well, um, that that is exactly what they need. They need to spill that joint and um, and get a, and get fresh fresh meat through the place. Hey, well, it's not a bad market if you're a good football person like Gary Purr to be pretty happy with his move to Melbourne. Sounds like Neil Barm's on the move to Adelaide and there's talk today of Brian Cook, um, you know, at least having offers put to him from uh, from Collingwood and Carlton. But Good uh, clubs keep good people, mate. Neil Barm staying at Richmond. It's been uh, conf- well, it was confirmed yesterday. I'm not he, sure about he, that. He's, he's 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 staying at Richmond, is he? Yeah, yeah. He released a statement through the club. Oh well, quote unquote. My heart is at Richmond. Mm. Didn't your your mate Tom Brown Zoran, quote that he was going to Adelaide? No, I think it was um, Sam Edmund who's already put his hand up on social oh, media saying um, sometimes you get fed, yeah, you get fed um, poor information. So actually, good on good on Sammy for um. For, for accepting that. Hey, listen, just before we get into the real awards season, being the coaches' awards, any surprises about any of the, the awards that, you know, Luke Jackson obviously getting the Norwich Rising Star and Tex, what did you think of the Hall of Fame inductees? I know um, you were pretty happy with that, that um, one of the inductees has got two first names. Who's that? Debbie Lee. Yeah, who? <laughs> I mean, honestly, when you have this, when you have a legend into the Hall of Fame that no one has even heard of. Well, not a legend. She was just inducted. Yeah, but who is she? What has she done? Yeah, so inductee is different to the legend. That's when you get elevated from within the Hall of Fame. But what has she done? What has she done? 
Oh, it's not me to read her CV. I'm just telling you that she wasn't um, nominated as a legend. A pioneer, no, no. Of women, a pioneer of women's football in well, Victoria. Well, I, I hadn't heard of her, but I mean, I don't, I hadn't followed the women's game uh, that closely. Had you heard of her, Shane? In all seriousness, yeah, I'd heard of her. Oh, you're the one then. Well, <laughs> I didn't nominate her, mate. No, whether she should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, well that's is up it... to the up to the Shane, this is like selection the... committee. This is like those community service awards that um, the AFL gave out last year when you got nominated and got beaten by that bloke in the Northern Territory. Well, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that was a disgrace. That's atrocious, wasn't it? So, well, I, I'm actually it's still the reigning uh, AFL Victoria Senior Coach of the Year because yeah. there's no one else, no one else has received awards since for the last two years. Don't is there a, is, is there any other AFL Hall of Fame female members? There must be. I don't think I don't. I think she was the first one. I think. I think she was. Yeah. And it probably opens up for someone like a Peter Searle to get in there eventually too. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I just wasn't aware of um of know her, Peter Searle? Yeah, yeah, I do know Peter Searle. Yeah. I do know she, Peter she, Searle. She's the one that just got sacked at St Gilda, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought um, it really would be more the, the one, I, I, forgive me for not remembering her name, but the inaugural AFLW um, Adelaide team coach who's now at Hawthorne. Yeah, I know. Uh, the, the army lady. She was in the army, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I can picture her, I can't remember her name. Yeah, yeah. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so not much to talk about the award season then. Let's keep moving along, Tex. What do you reckon? Hey, hey I'll tell you what I want you both to do. Can you do something for me, please? Can you go back and watch the tape last week of the Welcome to Country, both days in Launceston? Uh, it was actually different. They, they actually had two different welcome to countries on two different days. They make that up as they go, that welcome to country. Okay, mate. I'm pretty sure that fits into another segment, but um, we'll, we'll let you go with it at this particular point in time. All right. I can, I can hear the coach. He's, um, the, the paper's rustling, mate. He's, he's getting all of those well-researched notes out. Bring it on. Um, okay. Morwood, a chance here for Collingwood. Shane Morwood puts it back. Now, there's been some massive work done. Uh, you've been, you've been, as the kids say when they're doing their um, study for exams, no, no, they've been cramming. And word out of um, the Casa de Morwood is that you've been cramming the last few days. <laughs> so this is a coach's awards. <laughs> They've been cramping from sitting on my ass all day. Oh, um, well, but no, I'm not sure about cramming. Do tell. Mm. Um, now. What we've got is the coaches' award season here, mate. So we're doing some, uh, some something slightly different. So rather than your all Australian team, since that's a thing of the past, we figured that you're going to come up with your version of, of MVPs for some of the key areas around the ground. Um, so I'm going to let you dive in and, and take us on your little journey, mate. Of um, how many winners are there here? One, two, three, five, six MVP winners, and your captain three, of the year. Four, five, yes, six. Plus one, correct. Magnificent. So we'll, we'll start you at go, the mate. back end. We'll start at the mm. back end. Our Please do. 50. So um, we'll call it a smallish type defender, but certainly not a key defender anyway. So I've gone with Tom Stewart from Geelong. And the reason for that, uh, he can play on a small and or a tall. Uh, he's quite agile. He's quick enough. Uh, number one marking player in the competition. Averages nearly nine marks per game. Uh, his intercept marks are the, are the key here. He averages 7.8 of those. 
uh, sorry, that's intercept possession, sorry. Uh, again, three three of those, three intercept possessions are marks. Um, he reads the play super well. He backs himself in. He's happy to leave his man and be third man up. And I think Geelong are missing that at the moment. He certainly is very composed, uses the ball super well. Um, his metres gained, which is a key indicator for the effectiveness of some of the players these days, nearly 500 metres a game. Uh, he's rebound 50s, uh, huge, nearly just over six a game. And he's very good at the uh, at ground level as well. He's one percenters, punching from behind, smothers, um, puts him in as that small defender type role. So I think he's the MVP for me. Your thoughts, boys? Oh, you're looking at me, Turtle. Uh, I like it, Chano, for all the reasons, Alan. I'm very versatile. I, I'm interested to see who you go with with the big defender, but I like it. I like it a lot. Turtle? Yeah, I think they weren't standout like really small defenders, like the, the whippets. So for all the reasons that you've just uh, suggested, he was um, um, someone who's not a key defender. He was probably the best of the bunch. Shane, I'd, I'd agree with that. So for the big fellas, the big key defender, I think Stephen May from Melbourne. Bang. Um, strong, solid. is quite quick, actually, for a big fella. Plays on the key forwards. Um, he reads the play super well, backs himself in. He's a great user of the ball. And what I like about him with the use of the ball, especially by foot, he goes long a lot and sets up um, offensive moves out of the back half, which which backs up what my thoughts were because his actual metres gained for a game is 408 for a full back. That is massive. That's but the well kickouts count now, mate. As soon as you run out of that square, that possession counts. So uh, yeah, it does. Does it gain? Does it then so contribute to the meters gain? Well, potentially, mm. um, because he yeah, is a long maybe. kicker. He rarely goes a short kick out of um, yep. the kick out too. Yep, marks the ball well. Averages nearly six marks a game. Uh, intercept possession is really good. Six and six and a half. Does a lot of the one percent of stuff as well. Um, works hard. Physical. Um, good leader. Yep. His opponent key, doesn't score goals. No, nah, he's a key role in the defensive structure at Deanland, I reckon. Uh, intercept marks, nearly three a game. He's just he's just the number one for me. I think he's yeah. just a standout at at, uh, at fullback. Yeah, I agree with him, mate, 100%. <laughs> me too. And I didn't uh, follow him much in the first third of the season. I kept hearing about him, and it wasn't until I watched more of Melbourne that um, he's a genuine star. He's the general, mate. He is the general. So the midfield. So can I just ask, mate? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you have called Lever? Is he a big defender like Tom Stewart? No, he's like a Tom Stewart. Uh, yeah, reads yeah. play really well. Like He yep. marks the ball super well, uh, and he's had a great season. He's made the All-Australian team, but um, I just think Tom's a step ahead of him. Um, no, no worries, mate. Yeah, but uh, very good player. Could be the uh, second uh, choice. Lockie Whitfield in your thinking at all, Shana? No. Thank you for your feedback. You're welcome. Midfield, I think he's this guy's my uh, favourite player in the comp. Uh, another Melbourne player, Clayton Oliver. Um, this guy is just a machine. He's a elite at his work rate. Works both ends of the ground. Uh, he's a contested beast. Uh, possessions, clearances. He's just elite. Um, what I love about his game too is also his great use of his hands when he's under pressure. Usually hits the target. One of the other areas of his game that's improved this year is his foot skills. Could still get better, but I think what that what where they just come from is I think he's more composed uh, in every situation across the ground. Um, and one of his kicks he hit to Fritch on Friday night was just beautiful over the top. Um, his pressure acts are elite. 
he averages 418 metres gained per game. Um, you know, 31.7 possessions a game. Uh, uncontested possessions, 14. He's contested possessions, nearly 18 a game. Nearly eight clearances a game. Score involvement's nearly eight. He's just a machine, this guy, and I think he's I think he's a clear favourite for the for the Brownlow for me. So Ollie Wines, I would have thought, was probably the um the the closest. Or Travis Spoke is um, I like Travis mm-hmm. Spoke too. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say on Oliver, mate. Um, he's also um, scoring more goals than he has previously too. So I think that's another string to his bow, and and he's always good value for an after match interview. Yeah, absolutely. And those guys you mentioned, they've had great season. I can't believe Boker didn't even get this into the squad of the All Australian team. Mm. Um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? But um, there would have been a few changes in the All Australian team I've had to do one. So, um, but we'll talk about that a little bit later and potentially one of the positions coming up. Uh, I'll mention this person. But uh, we go to the Ruckman, um, another Melbourne player. They're polling well this year. I think Maxi Gorn is the number one Ruckman in the competition. Um, Next, there's just nothing else to say, mate. It's pretty much he's a clear winner. He, he is huge, mate. He wins nearly 60% of his hitouts. Um, he averages nearly 33 hitouts a game. His score involvement is high, five and a half. He marks the ball. Not many big players mark the ball in in contests. Like if you look at Nick Nat, he doesn't mark the ball that often. Max is doing over five a game. His contested marks, his meters gained, center clearances. He averages nearly two center clearances a game. Mate, he just brings brings the ball to his his uh, fellow mids. Um, he's kicked twelve goals for the season. Not one of his strong uh, or strengths about him, but he's got better at that. We saw that last one against Geelong the other week, um, and I think he sets himself up really well defensively. So he's just he's the number one for me. And isn't it good to see him? He looks like he's really enjoying his footy. There was some footage there of him when they ran out on the ground on um, Saturday night, where he was. He was just high-fiving every one of his players as they come onto the ground. He generally looks like he's in a good place right now, and it's showing with with his effectiveness on the ground. So yeah, yeah, no, no he's a, he's a true leader, mate. He's just had a super season, so and good on him. So the small forward, um, I've gone with the with the most uh, um, what I wouldn't say he's popular, but he's certainly dominant in the in the media at the moment. And Toby Green, um, I couldn't ignore his. Um, we know how good he is at ground level. His marking ability, one on one, his work rate's high both ways. Uh, he brings others into the game. Uh, his score involvements are high per game. These are all elite stats that that he's got. He's kicked forty five goals. He's averaged two and a half goals a game. He has nearly six shots on goal every game. Uh, his contested balls great. Um, he's elite with his disposals for a small forward and contested possession. So I just put him there. Um, I've, I've loved uh, Jake, Jakey Stringer's game this year. Um, he's kicked 41, 42 goals and playing through the middle as well. So he's probably nearly got there. But I think for, for specifically just that small forward role, I think Toby Green's number one. No complaints there, mate. Um, what a he's thought. Just a, I mean... He's just a dumbo in some things. Oh, yeah, but if you're talking about on field, which is what you're doing here, I mean, mm. he's just he's – just... I absolutely agree with that. I reckon he's a yeah. star. He's, he's nearly six shots a goal on goal he has per game. Oh. He's he's a super player. No arguments? No. None, none at all. Righto. We're going to the big fella, uh, the big key forward, and I've gone with Harry Mackay. Um, and the reason for that, one, he's kicked the most goals, but he averages the most goals per game. He averages 3.1. Um 
you know, he's very simple with his game. He's a leading or one-on-one marking player. Uh, he takes nearly four marks inside 50 every game, uh, and most of those are contested. Uh, has high score involvement, six and a half a game. Um, um, he's also got about five and a half shots on goal a game, which is elite in the categories. He marks the ball really well. Um, and I think uh, if he can just improve his kicking a little bit more, he'll easily kick 70 goals a season. So I think he's got a really great, bright future. He's an exciting player. He's only 23 years of age, but I think he's been the key forward for uh, consistently for the season in a team that's not really good. Clear winner on that one, I would have thought. Mm. Um, and, and what's interesting around that, after all the hullabaloo about how many goals were going to be scored by key forwards this year, I think it was 400 goal kickers you were talking about, Tex. Um, the Coleman medal got awarded to someone who kicked 58 goals. So um, yeah. there's a bit of a get-back-in-your-box type um, statement back to you, mate. Yeah. That was the second yeah. time I've been wrong this year, so I, uh, I'll own that. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you know, we look at the way Carlton move the ball and how he gets into the forward forward fifty, and he's done a super job this play. He's a he's a tough player to play. And Shano, wrapping it up with your captain of the year. Well, we just spoke about him before. I think Maxie's uh, done super well. Uh, he was awarded that in the All Australian team. I think the way he leads, his actions, his behaviours, uh, he basically says, "Come follow me, boys. I'll take you there." So um, I think he's composed. You just mentioned before, text about the way he seems to be enjoying his footy, that comes from composure. He knows what he's about. He knows his role. Uh, I love the way his communication is direct and they just follow him. They lift for him. And I think he's the the clear captain of the season for me. He's the best captain left in it too, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So they're my MVPs for the season, boys. Uh, Well done, coach. Uh, Magnificent. Magnificent. There's a reason why we ask you to do this stuff. Yeah, give me something to say. Well what done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, beautiful, mate. So we're going to have to come up with something special for you to um to focus on next week, mate. Uh, we'll put our thinking caps on. Good work with the research again, Shane. I love Thank the you. Can't wait game. to cram again. Love the meters. Looking game. forward to cramming. That's mate. Good yeah. work. Well done, mate. Thank you. I'm not sure that this segment can get any bigger, but I'm reassured that it can. So it's time for the very, very well regarded and most popular Turtle TV. Oh, Tex, you'll do yourself plenty of favours if you keep, keep keep coming in with those types of intros. Now, in the essence of, um, of time, I think I, I got some feedback that um, I decided to, even though I only did a top five, with the amount of honourable mentions, it ended up being a top 12 last week. So I'll tighten it up this week. But first, Survivor. Shano, we're getting down to, just like we're talking about with finals now, we're at the business end. We're also at the business end of Survivor, mate. There's um, Final six. Six teams left in the AFL. They are, mate. Just exactly right. The problem is we're going to get to the grand finalists a lot quicker in Survivor than we will in this highly compromised AFL season. So, um, yes, but plenty going on. And, and our... One of our favourites, um, George, is still there, mate. He's he's hanging in by um, the hair on his chinny chin chin. Well, he Next is the cockroach, isn't he? He's the cockroach. Uh, well, I, t- I tell you what, I have been watching. Um, Hello. Who who's the girl that's left there? 
the um the, the big strong lady who doesn't leave much to the imagination with a, a, a swimming attire. Red uh, bikinis. I, th- I think you're thinking of the big wave surfer. Flick, yes. flick, flick. My goodness me, there's no hair on her chinny chin chin. She's like the the whacker, mate. There's cracks opening up every there, everywhere Shane, as I sit Shane, down there to watch. We, we, let's not ask him any more about Survivor. Thanks for chiming. Yes, let's Thanks. just move on. Let's keep you. it clean. But she, it's just on that. Is she any chance to win it? That lady. Yeah, she's in the final six. She's a chance to win it, but I wouldn't, um, uh, as you chew away there, Tex, I, I don't think it's um, uh, any, any any real reason why she should um, um, she should really be in serious contention. But Turtle, was there, on the run sheet, was there sound effects included in one of the lines? Yeah, no, no and he's taking the microphone away now as he gobs on that, um, right. on that chewable, chewy. Anyway, Tex, let me talk to you about my top five this week, and I've delved in to focus on largely Australian, but but because of one program, variety shows, those evening variety shows um, um, that we would have watched and grown up with. So I'll, I'll be very quick with the honourable mentions. But number one, do you remember the Penthouse Club with Mary Hardy and Bill Collins? Bill Collins. They, yes. they, they'd get away to the, to the trots every now and again. And I reckon it was done in a later version with Ernie Sigley and Denise Dreiser. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah, I go, and I remember that the um, the form guide for the trots was pink in your in your, the paper. It was either the Sun or the Herald or whatever, whatever right, it was. It was a pink form too. guide. Now, two others that missed out, and one of them you'll be very surprised on. Uh, the first one is Tonight Live with Steve Vizard. Um, oh. ju- ju- just missed out. Um, and Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. What? Uh, uh, no, nah, it didn't make my top five text. But there's a reason why, because coming in at number five is the black and white minstrels. Remember the black and white minstrels? No. Shano, no. You no. What? It's a BBC special, mate. Go and Google it. They, well, that's probably why. Um, BBC. Now, it's not terribly diverse friendly in the current age, but, but like many other things of that time timeline in, in, when it came to British television, it wasn't very politically correct. But there'd be plenty of people who'd be wearing makeup um, to represent both black and white people. And they would sing songs and do all sorts of stuff. But um, anyway, there was a, it was a Sunday night 7.30 favourite. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I was having Num- toast and tomato soup, I think, at that time of the night. Num- number four. Number four is n- New Faces with, um, with Bert Newton. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. great. Okay, great. Competition people would love to go on there and do their funny stuff. I used to love the judging on that. Who wasn't that where um, the lady McDonald um, got her first? Yeah, Jackie got her first go before she went over to um, or was it the other way around? Was she on Hey Hey and then became a judge on New Faces? I'm not sure, but she had a sister, Fiona McDonald, who was yeah, they both had a crack as well. That's right, went okay as well. Now, number three, well known by the the end theme song. Young talent time with Johnny Young. <laughs> Johnny Young. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness me. love his kids. He loved his but kids. Some of the more famous prodigies, Karen Knowles. Yes. Um, oh. And of course, uh, the Minogue sisters came out of um came out of their Tina Arena. Yep. Uh, some pretty well known um Australian performers have um have come out of there. Not so many. Good male ones as there are female ones. I, I, I love the show. I just didn't like the end where they'd all hover around. 
around him like some sort of pervert around a campfire as they'd sign off the show. I never, never really got to me that bit. No, I wasn't a fan of him. No. No, well, he's been he goes as well as the bloke from um, Hey Dad, I reckon. But anyway, a whole different oh, story. Um, yeah. Number two, the Graham Kennedy show. I mean, Gravra <laughs> uh, has to be. I mean, in terms of variety, comedy, he was just brilliant. And then it turned into, remember he did, a, I guess, a more modernised version of Graham Kennedy's Coast to Coast when he had Kenny Sutcliffe yeah. and, and John Mangos, was it, as his yep. sidekicks, oh, yeah. Yeah, who, who'd read the news and then he'd sort of like um, make light of it. And you cannot go past everyone's favourite yank, the Don Lane Don show. Lane. <laughs> with, um, with Bert Newton to the side there. So that's this week's top five. Yeah, love it, Turtle. Well done, mate. Fantastic. Nice work, mate. I've got some homework to do and go and work out what the hell the black minstrels are. But Black well and white minstrels. Black and white, mate. Right on, right on. Go on right. there, mate, uh, and do yourself a favour. I'm sure it could end up on the tirade next week. Most of them might be at the Holden Centre right now. All right. And everyone else, do yourself a favour and get on to Survivor for the last four episodes. <laughs> and I want to look them straight in the eye and I want to tell them what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! I'm genuinely bloody angry tonight. I tell you what, this Toby Green incident, as big a deal as it was, the bullshit that's been spoken in AFL circles about that incident and about that umpire and about that man is an absolute disgrace. But it actually gets worse. So no one condones... um, disrespecting umpires and making contact with them, right, and hurting them. We all know, we're not stupid, we all know that's not what this game or any game is about, particularly at the highest level. But what happened to Toby Green in the lead-up to his tribunal hearing today was only the start of it. The facts of the matter were one of the most experienced umpires in the competition said in his evidence, this was only ever about two people's word today, it was about Toby Green, who pled not guilty, and it was about Matt Stevick, who received the, con- or the contact. And Matt Stevick said, it was minor contact, he didn't feel threatened, it may have been disrespectful. As a result of that, for the tribunal to Shane Wakeland, Richard Loveridge, and Stephen Eureka, God forbid, Eureka. With, a sitting, with a sitting panel today, for them to have to come up with a ruling at the end of it, which um, led them to interpret disrespectful and intentional as one and the same is an absolute disgrace. But it got worse than that. Once Toby Green was found guilty, then the AFLQC, the guy who was doing the, doing the prosecuting, Jeff Gleeson, called for a minimum of six-week suspension because he said, wait for it, this is what the competition demands and this is what everybody at local football expects. What a load of bullshit. AFL doesn't care in the main, despite what it says with its rhetoric about what happens at local footy. There's different rules at local footy. There's... Um, different interpretations at local footy to to draw a long bow and say what Toby Green did 
was going to result in players going out in junior footy and local footy and start making contact with umpires actually is poor choice of words. It is just not the case. And it just made Jeff Gleeson and the AFL look like fools. But it got worse. After he'd been given his three-week suspension, just when I thought it couldn't have got any worse, I hear 10 minutes before going on air that the AFL are considering appealing the decision because they don't believe that it was um, serious enough. They have lost their way, the AFL. They need to let the process take its course. They need to get on and rewrite those rules because it is an ambiguous rule that is going to do someone a greater disservice. Toby Green was an idiot, and if he had his time again, he probably wouldn't have done what he did. It wasn't a good look. But the commentary around the incident, after what Stevic and Green had said today, was a disgrace, and too many people have come out and let themselves down today, and it's just not good enough. Mm. Tex, um, do you think he should have been suspended at all? Uh, yeah, I think he had to be suspended. I, I, I wasn't surprised that um, Matt Stevick said that he wasn't threatened by it or whatever. It didn't look like he was threatened. I think what didn't help Toby Green was the lead up to it. He was angry and he was annoyed and he was frustrated. And so he's made some, what I'd say, incidental contact. But this guy could miss, probably won't, but he could miss a grand final for that. Um, so I think it's poor. I would so how many would you have given him? Two. Two at most. Shane? Uh, I was anticipating somewhere between two and four, and that's right between two and four, obviously it's three. Um, I, I think uh, he says there was no intent in that. Well, I'd probably disagree with it because he, he lined up, Matt, and could have easily taken one step to his left and not hit him. He was always going to hit him. Now, you've got to pay for it. Matt wasn't intimidated, didn't feel much of the contact, understand that. But the actual integrity of the game has to be has to be upheld, and I think he's, um, I think three may be okay. It wouldn't surprise me if GWS appeal it uh, and say it was probably too extreme based on the evidence. Um, however, they, if they want to send a message, but I'd like to see, well, if this is going to be, um, if this is a, what we call a benchmark decision in the sense that you've touched the umpire, doesn't matter which way, no matter which umpire, field, goal, boundary umpire, then you're going to be suspended. Not fines. There's been suspension. There's been fines, sorry, handed out to players that have touched umpires in other different ways. Um, I, don't, I don't know, mate. I, I just think it's they, they've set a precedent now that you, you're going to be suspended. Well, they, they need a mop and bucket, mate, because everyone talks about what Lockie Neal did not long ago. If too often with tribunal hearings, we hear it's it's what happens to the person who was affected by it. the only person who was affected by this was Matt Stevick. No, and I Matt's... disagree. Well, you can't. How can you have a different view to that? Because um, that that's one person's. But I think there's lots of people who've interpreted it in a different way, mate. And he he was. I mean, I I, I love Toby Green um, as a player, and and I do think. For some of the other stuff, he has been he has been targeted. But on this one, mate, um, he's lucky he got away three weeks. Um, I would have thought four to six. If you want to stamp this sort of stuff out, um, you can't have a player who's clearly angry. Um, and this bullshit—it was incidental contact. He went straight. He made a beeline for him, mate. And if if Stevic didn't actually swivel his body, he would have taken him out. He didn't care. He was, he was being an arrogant little prick. 
Um, and he was absolutely being disrespectful. And so in terms of impact, it impacts everybody down, mate, in terms... And I would have thought you, having um, officiated at lower levels as an umpire and also done umpire spotting and coaching or whatever else, you can't have that sort of stuff, mate, happening. What Toby Green did was not a good look. I, I, I get that. But the, what I'm really annoyed about was the commentary today, the commentary in the lead-up to it about people calling for multiple weeks and the similarities to Greg Williams and going back to the early 90s. And then people – that's just it was a completely different era. But the point is the rule itself, how disrespectful and intentional – can be one and the same. That's where the AFL's got work to do. But it, it, was, it was just so angering today, listening to the tribunal process. Once the evidence had been given, the way the prosecution went after him was really, really poor taste. It was just not what AFL tribunals or any, any sporting code tribunal, for that matter, should be all about. It was so, horrible. So was in your mind, was it disrespectful? Watching it. What he the did way- to Matt Stevick? Yeah. No, I didn't think it was. Oh, okay. What did you categorise it as then? Well, I would just say that it was was maybe um, negligent and incidental. He was angry. He was making a beeline. I don't no, think no, he's so making the, a beeline. The disrespectful, for... bit, the disrespectful bit is just really the approach. The, the actual um, – what was the second thing that you had a crack at in terms of um, um, the AFL's argument? Disrespectful what? and intentional. Was that the word that you used? Yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. Um, so one's about the way in which he, I guess, he spoke or, or, or approached the umpire. And yeah. then there's also the bit about actually making contact with him. So he was absolutely intentional. He was going straight for him. He could have so, avoided that, Toby Green. And he's he smart enough to know that, mate. Like, what well, I mean, fuck. But don't you understand you're not allowed to touch an umpire when you're a player? What, what's hard about that? So if we look at, can I just say something here, right? So let's look at how some of the tribunal hearings, um, uh, uh, I suppose, assess the situation where a player has hit a player in the head or tackled um, an unsafe tackle, dangerous tackle. What do they look at? They look at the options you had prior to that, coming into the contest, hitting a player, right? If you look at the options that Toby had prior to coming in and shouldering Matt, what were they? Well, he could have walked around him. He could have avoided him. There could was lots stopped, of other options. Stood in front of him, yeah. asked the question. He didn't. Yeah, he could have spoken so to him intent, in a less forceful His intent yeah. was to bump him. Oh, look, well, only Toby and Matt would know that. What I what I thought was Matt really won't interesting. Know it. Well, what was really interesting, and again, I listened to this. I was fascinated by it today. He was he was making a comment about the free kick or, or that it got paid against him earlier, and Matt Stevick actually invited the conversation. Matt Stevick said, "I'm happy to have the conversation." So mm. that made Toby come close to the Matt to have the conversation. They had the conversation, and that's where he made the contact. But you know, it, it was well, just mate. If he was, couldn't he have put his hand up as if to say, "Oh, I don't mean to bump into you." You know, like when you when it's accidental, right? He just kept walking. The belligerent little prick. He just kept walking, mate. So it's fine to say you invite the conversation or the rest of it, but you still can do it in a respectful manner. And he didn't do that. So the the only thing I would say on this is I I read a tweet from Grant Thomas, which I thought was interesting, right, is you can still send a message without suspending players for for something like this, right? So if you don't want to take players out of the game for this thing, what you can do, though, is is like fine them 50 or 100 grand. Hmm. 
like yeah. like a significant. So that really hurts. And so when you say, well, okay, if you're a young kid and you see people doing that, well, that that ain't going to happen. But you're going to get fined um, in a big way if you're um, if you're doing that sort of thing. Um, that was I thought that was interesting, right? For for something where you're not hitting or knocking out another player or anything like that, but it's something we absolutely don't want to see in the game. That was an alternative way to, to potentially handle it. I was very disappointed to see some media, and I know they're only media, but some of the commentary about Toby the individual, um, and now people saying potentially it'll cost him the captaincy of the footy club, and it well it may well do that. But to me, he's becoming the Dermot of the 2020s. You know, he there's definitely a Toby tax. Who can change uh, that? Oh, Toby can. Yeah, I, exactly. I, so I take responsibility, mate. Take responsibility for your actions. Three weeks was was bad enough, but the process and the commentary today after evidence was given was appalling. No, it happens every week, mate. We, it's just this one. It's the only tribunal hearing coming out of the finals. It's big time. It's something very different to some of the other stuff. That's why, mate. Anyway, good tirade, Tex. One of your better ones. Oh. Got on, Tex. Thanks, boys. Now, we're going to make this segment great this week after having to cancel it last week because of the gremlins. But we're back in, in good stead. Shano, where do they go if they want to participate? They go to at the coach and text. Oh, Shano, you've been doing this for too long. That was magnificent. Now, there's plenty to talk about, but one of the my highlights for the week, you know that I'm in love with tricky Ricky McIntosh. I love his calling of the jumps races. And he liked one of the, one of the tweets that we we posted um, on the week, and, and I was just thinking of something creative. Was if we can get hold of that video of those jockeys at their Airbnb party, we could get Tricky to commentate just ten minutes of what was going on there. What do you reckon? I reckon that could be a hit. Car's got one more to jump, and look at her go. <laughs> Invite him onto the show. Oh, magnet! Well, we're trying, Shano. We're trying to get we're trying to get to him. Um, so if there's any of our loyal listeners out there who've got a link in to Tricky, then um, let us know because we want to get him in, particularly now as jump season is over and we're about to go into the, um, to the spring carnival. In fact, spring's tomorrow. By the time you listen to this episode, it'll be spring. So just to be to confirm, you want Tricky Ricky, the commentator, not Tricky Ricky, the finance man. Is that who you're after? He's a beauty too, mate, by the way, just for Tricky Ricky, because uh, he is one of our loyal listeners and we haven't heard much from him. Although one of our listeners did get a little bit political. Um, I think that might have been the Detroit Diva uh, who decided to, and I wasn't very comfortable with this. Uh, we don't want this on the handle. Any any reference to unions and particularly John Setka, he's a really good bloke. Just leave him alone, Detroit Diva. We don't need that on there. Yeah, what was that about? She went a bit AWOL there. Hmm. And, and Tex, you decided to engage, which I was a bit worried about. Just steer clear and focus on those Carlton nuppies um, who, who've gone to town now. We're, we're actually quite excited because we have been black banned. We've been blocked from our very first Twitter handle. Can you believe this, Shano? Someone has taken offence to something that we've said. I can't believe it's taken two years to block you. Block you. Really? Block you. Yes. yes. Not you. Yes. Yes, and yes. it's actually a word. I sent you the actual. Well, I'm not sure the, the Google the dictionary name. quite compares with the Oxford. That's dictionary. That's in the Oxford, mate. There's six thousand new words, and that's one of them. Use it's like hangry. <laughs> Hangry's in there too, mate. Move on. No, no, they're Run not. Um, 
Carlton info and stats is is no good, mate. Um, in no. fact, there's a shout out that that the, the the person who runs that handle has just gone gone off off beat. In fact, I think we should um put out a public service announcement. The Carlton supporters who who got extreme joy out of what was going on at Tasmania on Sunday afternoon, um, yeah. you know, making jokes about um, who kicked four goals in that game. Uh, it wasn't um. It wasn't Toby. What was the guy's name? The Waitman, Cody Waitman. So it was yeah. actually Essendon who kicked four goals, and and I like to remember that it was four more than what Carlton kicked in the qualifying final, the elimination final on Sunday. Um, they are not in a position to be making derogatory comments about other football clubs. I would have thought. Room of mirrors, time, Shane. Oh yeah, absolutely, big time. Text, do tell. Oh, I just, I've had a little bit more time on the phalanges this week, as you know, and I've uh, engaged a little bit more, but they, they just breed like some sort of wild grass, those Carlton faithful. And, and there's this group that's got a view and then that group buys in. I mean, I'd encourage them to keep going because we missed the comedy festival in March and this is just a very good substitute. The lack well, of brain, the lack of brain power from the collective Carlton supporters is but that fascinating. Bloke particularly um, has continued then, mate, because he's, uh, although he's blocked us, you go down and, and read some of his inane comments, and then some of his own fellow brethren have come back at him, and he's just gone, "Oh well, this is Twitter. This is what you should expect." And I thought, "Well, hang on a sec. That's what we were doing until you blocked us, you twit." Shane, unbelievable. Now, here's Twitter. Now, we haven't had a, too much chance to talk about this, but um, Brian Cook to Carlton, Craig McRae to Collingwood. Are you boys happy about that one? Well, it's a bit of left field. Uh, the reputation uh, is right on. and He's a good coach. Well, okay. I don't know. Un- unproven. So is that where we want to go to? That's, that's your job, Shane. You're going to do a big expose on Craig McRae next week as, as coach's corner. Let us give yeah. us your view. Mm. And when Nothing someone, like I, I, I've got a request. It's actually a request from Junior Texina, but I've got to admit it's going to be helpful to me. Can someone explain the draft to me? Junior Texina and I are confused about how you trade a pick and what's a free agent, and we don't understand how it works. So we need someone to explain it to us in layman's terms. Just ask Siri, mate. I reckon that's the job for Mister Beanbag. It's, it's, it's his uh, scope of work in that area, mate. He loves that sort of stuff, right, around how it works. I think the points stuff is tricky, like for father-son, but everything else, why is it so hard about trading? You're not allowed to trade certain future picks and all that sort of stuff, but um, what, what's so difficult about working out how people exchange um, picks and players and well, free she agents? Was, what, she, what, what, I, what she was taken back by was, Dacos' son is going to go to Collingwood. So that means that it doesn't matter what anyone else offers him, Collingwood's going to take him. Is that right? Well, they have to get a certain amount of points. Points, yeah. yeah. So it... if someone really wanted to be a problem and just wanted to put up ridiculous offerings to him, what happens now? No, no, they just nominate him. My goodness, I'm getting a message from the battery man. Um, the, what I'm suggesting to you is that Marshall. whoever's number one, North Melbourne, North Melbourne would say, bang, we want Nick Dacos. And Collingwood then have to match that and have enough points to do that, which means they'll have to trade out other picks. Uh, they don't want that to happen. And what's a free agent? Someone who's played somewhere for 10 years? Well, I can't remember the exact years. Uh, but... I think it was eight is restricted. I think seven restricted. is restricted free agent and ten yep. is unrestricted. Yep. 
Cons- so Luke Parker, I think he's um he's unrestricted. Unrestricted. Can we get Mr. Beanbag on a short term retainer just to clarify that for us? Yeah, not, need, not if we don't want to tell you the beanbag stories, mate. You'll be you'll be getting into the beanbag stories. You don't want to hear about those, mate. That's normally pre season activity. Mm. Hey, Shano, any movement on you at Port Melbourne? That's uh that's gone quiet. <laughs> that's your rumour, mate. Shane. Come on, mate. <laughs> Where did you get this from? Shane. Shane, do not lie to our audience. Where did you get this from? Shane. We're not going to go there tonight, but we're going to go there one day. This crap. Shano, please. Come on. I told you, when we had our, our mate Macaron, the form guide had omissions, ears out, more potentially in. <laughs> I, I'm disappointed that... Um, How's that battery, mate? Big Mac hasn't 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 run with that one. Enough for me to keep um, uh, propagating this rumor, Shane. I've still got enough battery to propagate the rumor. <laughs> right, that's it, boys. All right, carry on, boys. Um, hey, hey, for those that are interested in a shot at the stumps. Yeah, how did last week's one go? Made it all those bets at the line. No good. Mm, oh, no. stiff. Three dollars sixty. <laughs> Three dollars sixty this week. Uh, what have you, you got? Well, if you just take the obvious, just take Geelong and Brisbane. You get three sixty. It's a straight wind. That's it. Bang. No, Just I, get if on. You take, if you take Mr. Walker in race four at Bro in Sweden tonight, mate, that's paying three eighty. So I reckon that's a better better option, mate. I'm your Mr. Walker. <laughs> this is like a Texas multi. <laughs> All right, boys. Enjoy week two of the finals. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Bye, boys.